630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Down low, Devon Taves battling for the puck. It comes behind the net for Goodrow. Set it in front, Sorelli with a one-time chance. It got behind Varlamov. It's in the net. Anthony Sorelli scores. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to join the Dallas Stars in the Stanley Cup Final. With 6.42 left in the first overtime period, Anthony Sorelli has his third of the playoffs. And the Islanders' season comes to an end. Well, you'll be looking skyward in the Stanley Cup final. It's the Stars against the Lightning. That goal last night pushing the Lightning into the best of seven against Dallas. Brendan Batchelor with the call on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And, of course, we're picking up those games right here on 630 Chet. It starts tomorrow. 5.30 face-off. All the other games in the series will start at 6, but tomorrow's game at 5.30. The first four games tomorrow, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Those are the ones that will be played for sure. Interesting news breaking late this afternoon. I believe TSN's Darren Dreger was the first to report that the St. Louis Blues have broken off contract talks with Alex Petrangelo, the star defenseman set to become an unrestricted free agent. The Blues have apparently advised Petrangelo, go ahead and pursue free agency. If he makes it that far, he's going to be one of the big guys out there to sign in October. Blue Jays trailing Philadelphia 1-0 in the bottom of the second. It's the second half of a doubleheader. The first one didn't go well for Toronto. The Phillies won that one 7-0. Tiger Woods misses the cut at the U.S. Open. Patrick Reed has the lead. We'll talk about that a little bit more later on. Giannis Antetokounmpo, one of the funnest names to say, is the most valuable player in the NBA. And uh, we'll find out who's going to be the Hart Trophy winner and Ted Lindsay Award winner in the NHL on Monday afternoon. They'll have an award show at 4.30. Possible that the Oilers' Leon Dreisettle wins both of those awards. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Double E Radio 6.30. Chad, we've got a lot of uh, interesting guests on the show tonight. We'll have some fun along the way as well. I'm always happy to hear from you calling or texting 780 780- Four nine six zero zero six three, And we're going to open it up tonight with the vice president of national teams from Hockey Canada. Of course, some more, uh, news about the World Juniors this week. Scott Salmon is on the line. Scott, you're on with Reed. Good to talk to you again, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Reed. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, thanks for fitting me in. Uh, obviously, there's uh, there's been a lot of demand to talk from uh, to people from Hockey Canada over the last couple of days with with the news coming out. So, you know, Edmonton will will host the World Juniors this holiday season, and then it'll go ahead as planned in about uh, 15 months from now. What they were hoping to happen this year with Edmonton and Red Deer. It, it kind of can you kind of uh, take me behind the scenes as as much as you can and let everybody know how ultimately it was, it was arrived at this decision. And I think the timing is probably important as well. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, first of all, uh, an awful lot of work done by a lot of people from the event side to OEG to the the people in Red Deer that all had planned on having this event with fans, uh, with sold-out buildings uh, this coming Christmas. And then obviously with COVID and all the challenges associated with it, had to pivot quickly and, and look at some alternatives and looked uh, and talked to the IHF uh, about the option of, of playing this event in a bubble and the uh, the NHL success that they've had uh, with operating, in, in particular in Edmonton, I think, you know, was a huge factor in them agreeing that, that we could pull this off and that we could that we could play. And then the support of the other nine 
participating countries unanimously that want to play, uh, that want to come to Canada, want to be part of the World Junior Championship. So that was this year. And then obviously, you know, taking into consideration the people and the, the interest in the tickets and, and the interest in seeing the event live, um, we're able to work with the, the Swedish Federation who was scheduled to host next year, uh, talk to the Russians about two years from now, and uh, and ultimately with the IHF, uh, a decision was made to not only host this year in Canada in a bubble in Edmonton, uh, but also host again next year in Edmonton and Red Deer and, and with all things being equal uh, with sold-out buildings and with fans and uh, with all the excitement that the World Juniors brings with it. All right, so you brought up fans, and it's interesting, Scott, because I've been getting texts off and on most of the summer from listeners who who had tickets to this year's tournament. What should they do? Is there any uh, advice here right now? Well, you know, I think that it's certainly a personal decision by by the, the people who have the tickets. They they have the opportunity to hold those tickets and 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 stay, you know, in the opportunity to be part of it next year. Uh, they also have the opportunity to get a full refund and and uh, and go to the Hockey Canada website and and uh, there was an option there to receive a full full refund. I can tell you, as of yesterday, in the thousands of tickets that have been sold, uh, we've had 11 people that have asked for refunds, which I think just you know reinforces the excitement of the event. We had over 100,000 people on a wait list this year uh, for tickets if people didn't pick up the option to, to purchase their tickets. So the demand is still there, but ultimately, you know, people have to make decisions what's best for them and, and if they want or need a refund this year, that's absolutely uh, available to them and if they want to hold on for a year and and be part of it a year from now then that's great too okay well i'm glad you clarified that and it's interesting you can give me an exact number it's not just oh it's a few dozen no it's exactly 11 so (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure those packages will be snapped up by some of the disappointed people who were on that original list of a hundred thousand that that is good to know scott was the fact that the National Hockey League was here, is here, and has been using Edmonton as a hub city and as a bubble, I, I mean, I'm guessing that must have kind of factored in as to how this this could work for the World Juniors. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the experience of the people around OEG and Edmonton and the commitment that they made to, to make this event work with the, with the NHL and the experience that they have, no question, uh, you know, gave people a lot of confidence that we could replicate that. Uh, a lot of the, the protocols are in place, if not all of them. Uh, the facilities are in place. The hotels are in place. Everything there, it's a bit of a plug-and-play. And and I'm not sure. Uh, I'd like to think that we could have maybe pulled it off if it was somewhere else, but I'm not sure. And, and certainly the success they've had with the zero positive tests just gives everyone that confidence that we're going to be able to, which is our number one priority, make sure everyone's safe. And secondly, have some great and entertaining hockey at Christmas time with what Canadians are used to around the world juniors. Okay, Scott Salmon joining us on Inside Sports. He's the Vice President of National Teams for Hockey Canada. So he's outlining uh, the World Juniors, Edmonton in a bubble coming up here in December and January. And then next year, uh, it'll be Edmonton and Red Deer with fans in the building, which is how they were originally planning on doing it this year. Uh, I mean, I'll throw you some that I realize it, it I might be getting ahead of myself, and I know in this time of COVID, too, uh, there's a lot of things that are ever-evolving, but do we know anything about the schedule yet? Are we looking at potential triple triple headers at Rogers Place? Might the tournament take longer to play than normal? Do we know anything about that? 
You know, I think that's a good question. There's some different options that are out there dealing with the federations. But the intent, I can tell you, is to play all the games at Rogers Arena in the large building and, and use the community arena for practices and game day skates. Um, we are looking at potentially pushing back or, or, or actually starting the event early, as early as Christmas Day. Uh, to ensure that we can get those games in and and uh, and have games throughout the whole Christmas ending still on January the fifth, so some of that's still to be worked out. But there's a lot of a lot of planning that's going on, uh, a lot of people involved in that planning, and uh, you know I think that the 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 announcement on our schedule is is coming shortly. Okay, and I was going to ask about the community rink, so you clarified that as well, which is uh, which is good. Well, you know, glad there's going to be a tournament, to, and of course, you love having fans there. But we're we're going through something pretty uh, pretty unique here. Yeah, in your in your role with overseeing the national teams and doing that sort of work, um, I'll just throw a couple of other ones at you. Do, do we know anything about the Spengler Cup yet? Which is usually the same time of year as the World Juniors. <laughs> now, that's a great question to the. Uh, we've had conversations, and I've had conversations as early as, as this week with the organizers in Switzerland. They've kind of canvassed the opinion uh, of all the participating teams, the challenges associated with it, maybe any travel restrictions that would be put upon uh, participating countries and teams. And so I think that decision um, is sometime in October collectively we're going to talk about what's best for the event and and what does it look like in terms of participating if we can do it safely uh we'd love to have a team but again you know there's some challenges associated with that with players you know we've used in the past from the american hockey league to other leagues within europe um so i would say that that yet is yet to be seen uh and decided but i would think sometime in early to mid-october there'll be a decision okay Scott, I'll, I'll kind of ask you a general one. It's been such an unusual experience for, well, everybody in some way or another. And, you know, Tom came on with me a couple days uh, into all this last year when Hockey Canada kind of had to say, look, we can't finish the season and have the championships. And, you know, Hockey Canada is more than just the, the national teams. It's It's other events and it's grassroots and getting kids involved in the sport and keeping them involved in, in all that kind of stuff. So just what's the whole juggling act been like through this because things hockey canada does like literally affects millions of canadians in some way or another well it, you know it, it certainly hasn't been without its challenges but i, I think in some ways it you know it, it with our 13 member branches across canada and in the provinces which they operate and then the connection down to regional operation right down to the grassroots level with minor hockey i, I think you know it's really strengthened that connection and really uh, provided us an opportunity to work closer together to ensure that we are going to provide safe opportunities for kids to play hockey, and that's the number one uh, priority. It always has been, and 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 with the goal of just making sure that we can play. And so I, I think we've done a really good job, uh, and I think our member partners have done a tremendous job of, of putting protocols, return-to-play guidelines in place. Uh, I was on calls again today with, people across Canada and talking about what that looks like and how it's worked. I've got a 10-year-old son at home who's starting peewee hockey, and so I'm right in the middle of it myself. And, and I, I just think they've done a great job uh, of providing those opportunities. And, and really, none of us are experts in the, in the world of, you know, uh, COVID, um, but some of us like to think we're experts, I guess, in the world of hockey. And so we've We've done a really good job of trying to provide a safe atmosphere and, and just the opportunity for kids to get on the ice uh, 
and play, and I think it'll continue to evolve, and hopefully as things continue to, to get better, it'll start to look a lot more like normal and what we've, we're used to in seeing kids play hockey. Yeah, for sure. I, I thought of one more with the World Juniors. I mean, there's often that selection camp and exhibition games leading up to the tournament. Can you proceed with that in any way? I mean, could you bring players to Edmonton ahead of time and make some cuts, or might rosters be expanded? I don't know. What's going to happen with that process? Yeah, a little bit of, of everything. Uh, first of all, you know, um, we need we need two opportunities. We need an opportunity to ensure that our national team players are are, are on the ice and developing and, and currently working with the OHL and the Western Hockey League on a plan for that uh, because the Quebec League is up and running. Uh, once we kind of take care of that piece and make sure that our players are prepared and that they're they're developing and then they're training, uh, then we can look at an opportunity to to evaluate. And again, we can evaluate the Quebec League players because as of today, they're going to be playing and they're with their club teams. But we will need to create, I think, you know, sometime in November, a national team selection camp where we'll bring in players uh, that aren't participating with club teams, have an opportunity to play games, uh, probably inter-squad, and then select or reduce that number before we come into Edmonton, you know, with a larger roster, I would think, in December, and then pare it down to uh, a more workable number looking towards, uh, you know, when the roster freeze happens on December 25th. So still lots uh, to be done, but, you know, our priorities are to make sure our players are, are playing and, and are developing. And then number two, that we have an opportunity to evaluate them. And so that's all ongoing, and, and hopefully, you know, that plan will be in place very quickly. And we'll have some form of an announcement and a, a plan for a selection camp in November and a pre-competition camp, if you will, in Edmonton in December. Okay, well, that's good to hear. So definitely some things to look forward to. And obviously great news that it's going to be here in Edmonton and then and then the fans will be getting in uh, next year when it goes to Edmonton and Red Deer. Scott, thanks for doing this today. I, again, I know it's been really busy with a lot of these requests over the last couple of days. So thanks for fitting us in here on 630 Chad, and uh, all the best as this process continues. We really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. All right, good stuff there from Scott Salmon, Senior Vice President of National Teams with Hockey Canada. So they're working on some other stuff. He just kind of outlined how the selection process will go. They'll have to nail some things down. All the games will be at Rogers Place, no competition at the community rink, and then they still uh, will have to figure out the schedule. Games starting uh as he said, probably on Christmas Day. Often they start on Boxing Day when the tournament's in Canada or the United States and then still finishing by January 5th. So you'll probably see three games a day at some point during the tournament like we did early in the Stanley Cup playoffs. All right, so that's the lowdown on the World Juniors. Good stuff there from Scott Salmon. It is 6.21. We got to call a quick timeout. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. Uh, just got a quick uh, segment here, so we'll go straight to the phones. Goalie Doc has blessed us with a phone call this evening. Go ahead, Goalie Doc. Oh, hi, Reed. Thanks for taking my call. I just have a thought um, about, uh, I wonder if uh, Gary Bettman ever thought that the decision that he made by helping keep uh, the Oilers in Edmonton and along with all the gentlemen that helped save the Oilers, then making it possible for Case to buy the Oilers therefore building the arena, therefore saving probably the NHL 
season possibly today. And then now with the announcement of the uh, World Juniors being held here, the, the whole domino effect of that, of that event that occurred so many years ago, um, I wonder if he thinks about that because uh, that move that they, the decision they made about Edmonton has probably saved, uh, possibly saved the NHL season for this year too. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Going back and, and checking the dominoes. How, how quickly? How's life otherwise, goalie doc? Everybody healthy in uh, your world? Yeah, we're hanging in there. Things are uh, a little bit. Uh, we're seeing a little more people in the office, but uh, still lots of phone calls and trying to keep things safe and. It's kind of incredible how how they've been able to keep everybody in the bubble safe and no tests. Uh, I guess it's I think it's the seven weeks or eight weeks now negative. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Right on. Hey, thanks for calling, man. Sorry we didn't have more time tonight. That, that's okay. Thanks, Reed. That is goalie doc checking in seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We'll look at the Stanley Cup final when we get back. Cup final faces off tomorrow. You can get it at 5.30 right here on 6.30. Chad, the Stars and the Lightning. All the other games will start at 6 and Game 2 will be on Monday. So we won't have Inside Sports on Monday. Our next show will be on Tuesday night. Now with the Stanley Cup final on each game day, the REMAX Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation 50-50 is back. Ticket sales will start online at 9 a.m. and go until 8 p.m. So tomorrow you can get a ticket between 9 and 8, edmontonoilers.com slash 5050, or if you just go to the Oilers website, you'll see the links there as well. We know how huge the jackpots got when they did this when the Oilers were playing the Blackhawks. So I I expect these to uh, generate a lot of money for the winner and for all the charities who will benefit through the Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation. So uh, remember that. The U.S. Open is halfway done. The weekend will not include Tiger Woods. Patrick Reed has the lead going into round three tomorrow. Bryson DeChambeau, one shot back. Cabrera Bello, English, and Thomas, two shots back. Kokrak is one under. Those are the only guys under par, just six players under par. The wind was up at Wayne Foot today. I was watching the tournament on and off throughout the morning and the afternoon. I did not see a lot of shots executed as they were intended. I saw a lot of them winding up in the rough, in the bunker, short of the green. I almost felt like I was watching myself play, except they uh, were hitting the ball 70 to 120 yards longer than I can, depending on the club. Well, probably more than 120 yards (laughs) off off the tee. But anyway, uh, it'll be a fun weekend, even though Tiger is not going to be going for it. And as I mentioned uh, earlier, and we'll keep an eye on this, I suppose, uh, apparently the St. Louis Blues have broken off contract talks with star defenseman Alex Petrangelo and have, have advised him to pursue free agency in October, one of the best in the league. So that's going to be quite interesting if he hits the open market. That's going to be one of many stories to follow. All right, I am pleased to welcome back to the show a gentleman who uh, was in the middle of having a great season with his uh, Edmonton Oil Kings. Unfortunately, it got cut short. The head coach of the Oil Kings, coach of the year in the WHL, it's Brad Lauer. Brad, thanks for checking in tonight. How are you doing? Hey, Reed, I'm doing fine, thank you. Yeah, it's it's good to talk to you. Uh, we, we often talk at this time of year 
about yeah. uh, training camp, exhibition games, and uh, the upcoming start of the season. It's always been fun having many of your players on the airwaves as well. But tell us, um, tell us how you are preparing for a hopeful training camp and start of the year, but is still several weeks away. Yeah, I mean, obviously things have changed an awful lot here the last six months. Um, uh, just in, just in, up front with our guys. Um, I mean, uh, you know, this would be we'd be doing an exhibition game this weekend probably, um, but obviously that's not happening. But um, right now, the tentative date for for us is, is to have a start date of December the fourth, um, with probably training camp uh, starting on the fifteenth. Now everything is still up in the air, and things won't be will the league will take another look at that probably in mid October to see if it's doable and see if the public health is uh is would let us go ahead with it but um you know as far as uh, our guys right now we're just doing a lot of uh a lot of zoom stuff a lot of chats individually and as groups we've done a lot a couple group chats here now and uh the other things we're able to do right now is just uh, there's a little bit of housekeeping we've got to do with the western hockey that our kids have to do during the year um with some educational stuff and uh, we're having that. We're trying to get that taken care of and get that out of the way. So when we do get back to to the rink, we're just focused on the game and uh, we're ready to go for the for the for the season. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, hopefully it does start in December. And as I mentioned, yeah. I mean, the Oil Kings were 42, 12, and 10. You had a 734 points percentage. Uh, you know, you were you were favored to to go deep in the playoffs or maybe even win the whole thing. So that was pretty yeah. cool. How many how many guys do you think you're going to have back? Well, I think we're going to have majority of our guys return. And obviously, we're going to lose the three twenty-year-olds, um, you know, from last year. But uh, we have like we have well, we had five nineteen-year-olds last year. So um, right now, we have four twenty-year-olds, four of those nineteen-year-olds. No, they're now twenty-year-olds, so we have four of them returning uh, right now until we know exactly what uh, what we're going to have for our roster. But the majority of the guys uh, will be returning back uh, back for another year. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. And hopefully, yeah. uh, you know, they, you can play a full season or, or, or close to it. And I suppose you may have, I mean, I guess we're kind of speculating. I don't want to put you in a tough spot, but there could yeah. be perhaps more of a regional schedule. I, I know you don't know for sure, but that could be on the table perhaps. Yeah. You know, I, I think they have, I know the league has some, some, uh, you know, some uh, contingency plans. Uh, if the season doesn't start on the 4th, then what does it go? Does it go to a month later? Does it go to January 4th? And uh goes from there. And obviously the scheduling is going to change uh, as, as as the dates change. So um not ter- not sure exactly what that's going to look like um, moving forward. But I know, you know, there's been some talk. Maybe it's just, maybe we just, if it does go after, it doesn't go till, till January, maybe we're just going to be playing in Alberta. But um, there's nothing's been decided yet. We're just kind of, uh, the league is kind of, you know, looking into different situations that, uh, you know, that the teams will, will be in. And obviously with the U.S. teams uh, down there. So there's a lot of thing moving, uh, a lot of things that have to happen in order for, for us to get back uh, to playing on the full schedule. But, uh, you know, as, as it goes, um, you know, the schedule will definitely change. Brad Lauer joining us on Inside Sports, head coach of your Edmonton Oil Kings. He's telling you about the uh, immediate future here for the Western League as they'll hope, they're hoping to get back to action in uh, mid-November with camp and then games in early December. And uh, you have a unique perspective on the Stanley Cup final, Brad, <laughs> because you were with the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, before you came to, to coach the Oil Kings. I, I'm going to start at, at the coaching level. 
you, you got to be on staff with Rick Bonus. Uh, man, it, it seems a lot of people are, are pulling for Rick through all this. He kind of had to take over under unusual circumstances with Dallas, and everybody's pointed out his uh, his longevity in the game. Tell us a little bit about uh, working with Rick, the coach, and a bit about Rick, the man, as well. Well, I mean, obviously, Rick, uh, I mean, I was very fortunate to be able to work with him and uh, you know, you you hear what players say. You know, when you hear players talking about uh, about him, it's it's about his work ethic. It's about his um, his passion for the game. You know, and he's he's one of those guys that just has energy and he's he's very excited. And you know, uh, the, the players just just love to have him around and, and and work with him. And you know, he's he's just that type of person. That he's just a very caring individual that uh, always wants to know how things are going, how the family's doing. You know, we we become uh, you know one thing like after we we've, we've left there, we both of us have left Tampa. Uh, our relationship hasn't changed. You know, we contact each other, you know, a couple times uh, a couple times a month to see how we're doing, and we we stayed in contact. We've talked a little bit, obviously, through this uh, Stanley Cup Finals. But um, he's just one of these those person that you hope uh, you know you'd like to see him get that ultimate uh, goal and winning the Stanley Cup because he has definitely put his time in the game and, and uh, you know, worked with some tremendous players and developed some, some players. And uh, you just, he's just one of those good guys in the game. You'd like to see something uh, really good happen to him. Yeah, well, you know, the guys on the Stars have clearly rallied around him. But, you know, you were on the Tampa Bay bench, on the Tampa Bay staff. Yeah. And, uh, and look, you were there through a couple of Game 7s, runs to the conference finals, and this has been a really good franchise going back. Uh, you know, I guess they missed the playoffs in eight, nine, and ten a couple times out since then, but also some very mm-hmm. deep runs. Yeah. The, no, the, the, I mean, do you look? Sorry, go ahead. No, you're you're right. I mean, they're they're it's an exceptional hockey team. Um, obviously, the players that they, that they have there, uh, the Kucherov, the Stamkos, you know, the points. Uh, uh, I mean, it just goes. They're deep. They're very deep. Headman, uh, the back end is very deep. They've they've done a very good job of. Uh, well, there's a couple of building up from within, drive, making good choices in the draft, and developing the players in the minor leagues, and, and and getting them ready for the NHL. They've done a very good job of doing that. Um, they've obviously did make some changes. Uh, you know, every time if they didn't win it, they they kind of uh, really dissected and broke down figured out what they were missing and you know they made some trades have got a little bit more they got a lot grittier uh you know especially their bottom six six guys have have really uh, brought a lot of grit to the game and you know i think uh you know they, they've just made some 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 good choices and changes as they go and I, I really think uh you know in this game of uh you know i don't know if it's at all levels but you know, I think you have to you have to learn how to lose in order to in order to win. And you know, they've had some tough you know tough years where they probably could have had an opportunity to win it. But um, I truly believe you have to learn to lose in order to win. And I think uh, this could be their year. Okay, so Hedman, yeah, he's always been great. And I'm watching him this I'm watching him this year, and I think okay, he's the best defensive player uh, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He's also one of the top offensive play offensive players. Like, let's face it, what he's got nine. Like, this tell tell yeah. me a little bit about about uh, Hedman. We see we see the end result of uh, mm-hmm. I assume everything that happens behind the scenes. Well, I think you know with Victor, I think one the, the most important thing is just him as a person. He's he's a very quality individual. He's 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 always. Uh, Donating his time, I was going to say donating, but helping out in charities, doing those things that uh, you know you don't see behind the scenes. He's a very 
compassionate individual. You know, um, you know, he's one of those guys that's uh, just very, very down to earth, and you know, always has a conversation. Um, one of those really, really nice guys in the game, and you know, his his focus uh, for him as as a professional, he's very um, driven uh, to making sure that he is at his at his best. Um, you know, when it comes to off ice. You know, he puts the time in the gym during the during the season and on and obviously after the season. But you know, his practice habits, everything that he's doing, he's 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 a very, you know, for a six foot seven guy, he's very athletic and you know he's an exceptional skater. He's one of those guys that can you know make the play and uh, make that first pass out of his zone, but also be that third that fourth guy in the rush. You know, because he's such a good skater and you know, I mean, it also helps that uh, you know Coops has a system that allows their D to to join the rush and. Be be part of that offense and 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 uh, you know being able to, to to do that, but also be responsible defensively. And you know what you've seen so far in the playoffs here has been tremendous from him. Braden Point, you got to you were with the Lightning when he came into the league, mm-hmm. so he has forty points as a rookie. Then he has sixty six. Then he has ninety two. And then this year he has sixty four. But of course, he only played sixty six games, so still yeah. a point a game. And like he's a third round pick, right? So he was there. He was 79th overall. Other teams could have had a shot at this kid. Um, Did did you see him, you know, being this much of a point producer in the NHL? Well, you know, it comes back. You know, it's funny. Like, uh, you know, I had a, you know, obviously when I was in Tampa, when Stevie Eisenman was our general manager, just, you know, Stevie told us a story that he went to go see another kid in Moose John. I can't remember the, the kid's name. And, uh, when he left the rink, he was talking about Braden Point. Like he says, how come we're not talking about this kid um, that he brought up with his scouts? Like uh, you know, the conversation totally turns. He went to see one kid, but came out of that rink talking about Braden Point, and um, you know, he he definitely left an impression. And you know, when he was in Moose Jaw with with Stevie, and um, you know, the kid when he came into came into the turn pro, I, I mean, he was such a mature individual for his age. You know, he just, um, he carries himself very well. He's uh, down to earth, um, puts the work in. He's, he's, you know, he's just one of those kids that, you know, as a coach, you'd like to have 20 of those guys on your team because they just seem to not complain about anything. Uh, they do what, do what you ask and, you know, they work hard and uh, they always put the team team front. And, uh, you know, when you see a guy like that having success, it's, it's, awfully, it's awfully nice to see. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty exciting player. Obviously, he's had to battle through a bit of uh, bumps and bruises here in the postseason. But but the, the yeah. Lightning are a different team when uh, when he's in the lineup. This what, what do you think overall, Brad? I mean, look, we know the the we've talked about the big guys on the Lightning. Vasilevsky's awesome. I was yeah. on with Stoffer earlier today, though, and I, I say I watched Dallas and with bonus and the way some of the chips have fallen during the playoffs. I, they mm-hmm. almost have a bit of that team of destiny to feel to me, which I know mm-hmm. talking to a coach is like the least analytical thing I could say, <laughs> <laughs> but, but what do you, what do you think of the series here? Well, you know, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good series. I really do. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Dallas, I, at the beginning of it, I was like, you know, I'm not sure. Like, I know they were good. I didn't, you know, cause you don't see a lot of their, their games from, from up, up here and, you know, I didn't get to see a lot, you know, watch a lot of their team, but um, you know, as the playoffs went, I, you know, Calgary gave them a good run early, and then I was like, okay, but that, I didn't realize how heavy of a game they played. Um, you know, when you look at their numbers after every game, they got they got fifty, sixty, seventy hits. Um, 
and it's not just it's a, it's not just a, coming from one or two lines. It's coming from the whole group of them. And uh, you know, you look at their defense core. Their their defense is just as good as anyone's in the league. Uh, you know, with with, with all their kid, with all those young kids, and 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 that can offensively uh, be part of the game, uh, off, you know, contributing offensively. Uh, I, I just like their their whole team game is is they play a really good heavy team game and uh, that's something that you know in playoffs gives teams trouble and uh, obviously Kudobin's been a very very good player for them uh, you know so far in the playoffs and I expect it to be a pretty I think it'd be a pretty heavy series you know both teams play heavy and you know I think it's going to be a be a good playoff good final. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to. It. I think it's going to be a fun one, Brad. Of course, we'll we'll keep talking. It's it's good to have you on the show, and thanks for updating everybody on the Oil Kings in the Western League because you have so many fans, and it's been really exciting to watch the team over the last couple of years. So uh, all the best when it does get going, and thanks for checking in tonight. Thank you very much. That is Brad Lauer, the head coach of uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings, and offering a unique perspective there, too, because he was uh, an assistant coach with the Tampa Bay Lightning before he came to Edmonton and uh, gave us a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at what makes a couple of their big guys such good players, specifically Hedman and Braden Point. 780-496-0063 is how you can call or text. Already got a text here about Alex Petrangelo potentially being available in free agency. We'll get to that when we get back. Jays leading the Phillies 5-2 in the top of the fourth. Second half of a twin bill. The Phillies won the first half 7-0. Blue Jays 26-24 on the abbreviated season. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. U.S. Open, the course beating the players up today. We'll discuss with Murray McCourt from the ranch between 7 and 7.30 tonight. Uh, always happy to hear from you as well. Former D-man Mark has texted in. Former D-man Mark finishing 117th in Norris Trophy voting in 1984. He says, Reed, if the St. Louis Blues are ready to walk on Alex Petrangelo, the Oilers have to go deep to get him here. And, yeah, that's the the developing story tonight. I'm just catching up uh, with some tweets here. Darren Dreger from TSN tweeted out a little while ago, just spoke with Petrangelo, who says contract talks haven't gone the way both sides were hoping, and unless something changes, it's in the best interest to see what the market looks like on October 9th. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford, who covers the Blues for The Athletic, posted, I just hung up with Alex Petrangelo. He believes he's headed to the market, but he has not ruled out a deal with the Blues. Darren Drager reported that sources tell him talks have broken off. The Blues have told Petrangelo to pursue free agency. And uh, Rutherford also noting that the Blues' current offer, $7.7 million. Uh, Rutherford also writing, but Petrangelo has been asked to accept the average annual value without knowing the structure of the deal. That seems kind of odd to me. Um, Petrangelo is coming off a deal that saw him making six and a half per season. So he probably wants uh, a significant raise. So 7.7 doesn't really seem to be working, at least at this point. Uh, Anyway, we'll go back to Mark's text. He said, if the Blues are ready to walk on Petrangelo, the Oilers have to go deep to get him here. If you look at my text history, at least to Stauffer's show, you'll see that I've been saying saying to Stan Pat. This is an instance where you can get a player still in his relative youth. 
He's got what the Oilers require. Acquiring him would allow the Oilers to let one of their D-men go via trade. He would allow you to trade for that forward that McDavid requires. That is from former D-man Mark. Well, yeah, if you sign Petrangelo and say he's coming in at eight, even nine million, you'd obviously have to trade, uh, you know, somebody that makes a significant uh, amount. Nurse is 5.6. Clefbaum is 4.16. I mean, one of those two guys I I would think would have to be moved to make room for Petrangelo. And then you probably uh, don't bring back double A and that, that may not happen anyway. He's a big fish out there. Uh, we were talking with uh, we were talking about Oliver Ekman Larson with with Stafford today on Oilers Now, and uh, I, I guess age wise they're a year apart, but Petrangelo seems to still be chugging along, and maybe there's a little bit of decline in in OEL. If he goes to free agency, it's going to be a huge chase there. And if you're Ken Holland, of course you would have to at least inquire. Do you want to come to Edmonton? What are you looking for? You'd have to at least ask the agent if there's any interest. Back after the news. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.